Welcome to the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. Over the past decade, I've helped hundreds of women stop dieting and start living a life that is truly healthy, enjoyable, and delicious. If you've struggled with weight and have yet to find the right solution to your health concerns, you're in the right place. Each week, I'm going to share my best tips, tricks, and strategies to eating well without ever feeling confined by diet rules or short-term fixes. Join me as I walk you through my science-based, practical tips that will transform your habits for good. My down-to-earth, no-nonsense approach is going to get you the results you've been craving all along. So, are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen, and this is episode number two. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me today, and I hope that you did check out my first episode about limiting beliefs. So go check it out. That was last week. It's episode number one, and I think there's some good nuggets of information and insights in there that you can start implementing right away. Today, we're talking about a hugely popular topic that I get asked about a lot, and that's eating carbs. Many of the hot diets of the moment, and I say this with a little bit of eye rolling that you cannot see, but many of these plans cut carbs and more specifically grains, either by completely eliminating or eliminating to a pretty high degree those grains and wheat products and things like that. So when you think about paleo, the Whole30 diet, and of course, keto, and yet we seem to struggle with weight, no less, right? So in fact, I think things are getting somewhat worse as more and more versions of these diets come out and we hop from one trend to the next and to the next. And every day we think this is it. This is the best diet for me. This is the best plan that's going to fit my schedule and I'm going to rock it. And it's it's been hard. I see many clients struggle. And I think that the more you hop, the more you struggle. Every few years, I do get curious about a certain diet or eating plan and I try it for myself. I almost always end up going back to my super simple eating plan that doesn't really eliminate too much of anything because I find it most simple to follow and most effective for keeping my weight stable. But since I get asked a lot about carbs and I see all these different diets and I see various reviews and various experiences with my clients... And I am in this world of nutrition and weight loss and I get asked about it a lot... I like to try stuff for myself to really experience what it feels like and how it works. So a few months ago, I did a little experiment and I tried to cut out many carbs out of my day by following the Whole30 diet. So I'll tell you in a little bit about how that worked out for me. But first, let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to completely cut carbs out of your diet? Unless you've been living under a rock or have no weight issues whatsoever, I'm going to assume that you have. And so you woke up one day telling yourself, I am done with chips, cookies, crackers, cakes, pasta, rice, bread, potatoes, and boy, did you feel awesome that day? You just cut out all these foods, cold turkey, 
and you were light as a feather, jumping with joy as you eat protein all day long and snubbing every muffin and pretzels that you encountered that day. And perhaps you were able to keep this going for several days, gosh, maybe even a few weeks. But then came some sort of a crash, and it wasn't as easy anymore. The rest of this is probably well known to you. You went back to eating carbs, all of them, and they tasted oh so good. Does that sound familiar? If it does, I can relate to it because this is a very similar experience to what I went through a few months ago when I tried to follow the Whole30 diet. If you're not familiar with it, this diet is a 30-day elimination diet that's similar to paleo but follows a little bit of a more strict approach and a more strict protocol as far as the foods. This diet focuses on eating a lot of animal-based proteins, healthy fats like nuts, as well as fruits and vegetables. It eliminates beans, legumes, as well as grains, so there's no wheat, there's no dairy, no sugar, and no alcohol. Well, I was really excited to get started on it, and I actually didn't anticipate having any issues. Cutting out things like bread and pasta felt pretty doable to me. I wasn't too worried about it, and as long as I felt good, I figured I would just focus on the allowed foods, quote-unquote, and and as long as it was on my list and I knew that I could have it, I wasn't going to worry as much about portions or bother to weigh and measure things um, and, and kind of be concerned with the amounts. So I felt pretty good about it. I felt that it was doable. The only thing I was mildly concerned about was the fact that I do not eat a lot of chicken, turkey, or beef. I eat mostly fish, eggs, and some dairy as my main protein sources, and dairy is not allowed on the plan. And when I'm just following my regular eating routines, these are the proteins that work best for my body. So I did keep eating Greek yogurt on some days. I have to say I modified this plan just a tiny bit to give me some more options. There's only so many eggs and so much fish that I can eat. So I started out feeling really good and pretty normal. For the first week, it felt fine. I actually noticed I wasn't really that bloated. My appetite was really well managed. And I was starting to see why this diet was so popular. But then during the second week, it became harder for me to stay focused since I was very hungry and a little tired. I remember eating a meal and about 20 minutes later feeling like I need a snack. And then that didn't satisfy me. And after that, I was looking for another snack. And I just didn't get get that satiated, full, nice, satisfied feeling that I like to have after a meal so that I don't worry about food. I don't think about food. And that's really the place where you want to be. You want your meals to be balanced. You want them to have the right combination of nutrition and food so that they satisfy you. You're not missing anything. You're not looking for anything 15 or 20 minutes after you're done eating. You can go for about three to four hours without thinking about food. But something here wasn't quite working. I wasn't satisfied. I kept eating nuts and fruit, but it just didn't feel right. I could also tell that I was getting way more obsessed with food than I normally am, and I couldn't concentrate. I kept thinking about what else I could eat and when my next meal is going to be. When I was working and I was busy doing things, it wasn't as bad, but as soon as I had some downtime or as soon as I took a little break from what I was doing, 
the first thought that would come into my mind was about food. And that's not typically how I am. There were times, and I'll, I'm going to be sharing a lot of that stuff with you in coming episodes, there were times that I was definitely more obsessed with food and more concerned about what to eat at every point of the day, but that's not my normal right now. On top of this, I felt like I was developing this low-grade headache that just wouldn't go away. So it led me to experience some brain fog. As I said before, I couldn't really concentrate. I felt a little bit off, and I was very tired. So by day 10, I was pretty miserable. I felt like I can't stop thinking about food and that even when I do eat, I am not totally satisfied. And when I'm not satisfied, I can't focus and my mind keeps wandering to thinking about snacks. And that was just something that really disrupted my day. So I think that on day 10, I stopped following it and I went back to my regular eating. So my experiment lasted just under two weeks Now, to be fully honest, I know that the Whole30 is designed to be followed only for 30 days, and I knew from the get-go that I wasn't going to follow it fully. That's because it excludes many of the foods that I know are extremely beneficial for my body, like beans, legumes, um, a whole lot of fruits, certain dairy items. So I simply wanted to see how it would feel and whether or not it would work for me if I were to dedicate time and effort to it. And I felt like the time that I gave it was enough for me to figure out how it works, what the principles are, and what the potential benefits and um, shortcomings could be. Now, I know this plan works well for many people. I do know, though, that once you reintroduce certain foods, it may be hard for, for many people to figure out what order to introduce the food at, and how to really recognize whether something is a trigger for issues versus other foods. So if I were to add back beans and I were to add back dairy, once I'm done with the 30 days, I'm not exactly sure that most people would know if something's bothering them, how would they they know what it is? There's a little bit more to it than just saying, oh, I ate yogurt yesterday and now I feel sluggish. It must be that. There's a little bit more to it than that. So I can see this plan working well as a jumpstart or as a springboard into another high-quality diet. Of course, I wouldn't want anyone to follow this plan for longer than 30 days, but if it helps you eliminate certain foods that you know are unhealthy for your body from your day, that's okay. I think that's a, a perfectly fine way of doing this and eliminating it and then moving on to a more balanced diet. Sometimes it's easier to just cut a food out as opposed to trying to control the amount and the frequency that we eat it at. So if you feel that cutting out bread or cutting out potatoes or any other food that you want to eat less of, if you feel like cutting it out completely would be easier than trying to manage the portions for a little bit, that's okay. You can do that. But then you want to learn a good, healthy way to reintroduce the food and learn good, healthy ways to control the portions in a sustainable manner. The Whole30 is a very clean eating plan. It doesn't have any processed foods. So I can see some benefits in this. But again, you want to make sure that you're modifying it or at least following it in its strict form for a short period of time so that then you can reintroduce some more nutrition into your day. 
One thing that I wanted to mention regarding low-carb diets, and if you've ever followed one, this will sound familiar to you, you may have experienced this, is that many people see large reductions in weight in the first few weeks. So we're going to see a significant reduction in pounds on the scale in the first month or so that we're following the plan. And that's very exciting to a lot of people. The other thing that we often see is a reduction in hunger levels as well as less cravings. So I think a lot of the appeal of the low-carb eating plans comes from these two benefits that are strongly associated with low-carb eating. So a larger reduction in weight, especially in the beginning, as well as more tamed appetite and less cravings during the day. This is mostly related to the way the body metabolizes carbohydrates as well as a hormone called insulin. I'm sure you've all heard of insulin and the way that the body processes carbohydrates is quite complicated, but essentially when we eat carbohydrates and it doesn't matter of what type, they break down into sugar. So blood sugar will go up when we're processing carbohydrates and then insulin comes in and helps the body produce energy in the cell from that sugar. When we eat less carbohydrates, naturally we have less insulin in the system because it's not as needed. One of the things that happen when the body secretes less insulin is that the kidneys start shedding excess sodium. So they release sodium from the body through urine. One of the benefits of this process is a reduction in blood pressure because when we have less fluid in the body, blood pressure will go down. And a lot of times this is why we also feel less bloated when we're following a low-carb diet because we really are having less fluid retention. We feel less puffy, less bloated, and that's where we see a lot of the weight loss too. So on the scale, you're going to see that you lost five pounds. Now you're not going to know that it's water weight versus fat mass unless you're on a composition scale, a body composition scale like the one you see in many gyms. But you're going to see a big reduction in your weight, and that's pretty exciting. The other thing that happens when we cut back on carbs is that the body releases glycogen. So glycogen is the way that the body stores excess carbohydrates. So if you were eating a higher-carb plan or even just a regular balanced diet, your body is going to store some of those carbohydrates in the liver, in the form of glycogen. And when we cut back on those carbs, the body now says, okay, I'm going to use my reserves. I'm going to use what's in storage to keep blood sugar leveled, to keep blood sugar levels stable. So it's going to pull those liver glycogen stores and use them for energy and for keeping blood sugar very, very balanced. When the body packages these carbohydrates for storage in the liver, it packages them with water. So every carb molecule is stored with two molecules of water. So you can imagine that when we're taking things out of storage, the water comes out too, and we're going to excrete this water right along with utilizing the carbohydrates. So the body is going to take the carbs out of the liver storage, use the actual carb for energy, and get rid of the water that it was stored with. So that's additional water weight that you're seeing as pounds lost on the scale. The second thing I'd like to mention is appetite. When you notice that your appetite is more controlled or you're experiencing less cravings on a low-carb diet, there's usually a reason for that that's related to blood sugar. So if you've cut out carbs, there's a good chance that you've eliminated things like bread, sugary foods, pasta, potatoes, and other foods that are very starchy. 
And if your meals had too many carbs before and you were getting cravings, it's likely a sign that blood sugar wasn't well managed. If you were more prone to crashing about an hour or two after a meal, that's likely related to blood sugar peaking right after you eat and then dropping, dipping very low within an hour or two after your meal. Once you've eliminated these foods and you balance your meals with more protein, your blood sugar is going to be rising and dropping at more regular rhythms, and you're not going to get these peaks and valleys as often that lead to cravings. So if you're feeling that your appetite is better managed on a low-carb diet and you have less cravings on this plan, it's likely not because carbs are inherently bad, unless they're super starchy and have no nutrition in them, of course, it's more related to the fact that your blood sugar is being better controlled because your meals are more balanced. So it's important to know that you can see consistent weight loss and less cravings without eliminating bread, for example. Because between you and me, I know not a single person who is happy about cutting out bread or pasta or any other major food group for that matter. There is no reason why you can enjoy bread and lose weight at the same time. It's simpler than you think, and it's totally possible. So I actually have a great starting point for you if you'd like to try this type of meal plan out for yourself and see how it feels. And that's my free guide, the Real Food, Real Weight Loss Starter Kit. Make sure you grab a copy since there's great information in there and it's a really wonderful place to start following a balanced meal plan that does include carbs and produces weight loss without too many restrictions. So you can simply go to www.daphnachazen.com forward slash free and check it out there. I'm also gonna link to it in the show notes below. When I talk about eating carbs, I'm not saying that we can eat all the bread, pasta, and muffins and potatoes that we want, and I'm not saying that it's going to get us results because it will not. There's a smart and effective way to incorporating carbs into your day that I'm going to outline for you today using five simple strategies. So let's get started, but first... What many people don't realize is that there's a huge difference between cutting out all carbs and eating a carb-controlled diet. Eating a carb-controlled diet is the key to losing weight, feeling full, and managing your appetite well while still enjoying certain types of carbs at every meal. Our body does need carbs for energy production, and most unprocessed carbs also have a lot of important nutrients, mostly B vitamins, things like folic acid. For those of you ladies who are in childbearing age, you want folic acid in your diet for sure. Other B vitamins that are called uh, thiamine and niacin and riboflavin, those, those are all very important for energy production and for our central nervous system, as well as minerals like iron and magnesium. So there's a lot of good nutrition that you could be missing out on if you're completely eliminating carbs. So that's definitely something to consider. So how do we do it? How do we get all the good nutrition, keep our weight down or in weight loss mode, control cravings, and continue to eat the carbs that we want to eat? The key is to make sure that the carbs that we do eat are spaced out evenly throughout the day. So the body is going to receive smaller amounts of them in each sitting, and it's going to burn them off for energy pretty much right away. 
Now, before we can hone in on how to space things out properly, and I'm going to share with you five strategies that are going to help you do that in a very smart and planned out way, I want to take a step back a little bit and define what foods are considered carbs and what are those carbs that I do want to focus on. So in addition to the obvious ones that we have and we already know that we want to eliminate things like chips, crackers, pretzels, cookies, etc., I'd like you to remember just three additional groups of carbs because these are the ones that you want to focus on in place of the refined ones. So can you do that? Can you remember three groups? Oh, I know you can. Group one includes your starchy vegetables. In this group, we have things like corn, peas, yes, those are carbs, not vegetables, potatoes, sweet potatoes, and winter squashes like acorn and butternut. Group two is your grains. These are things like bread, rice, pasta, quinoa, oats, and barley. Group three is our beans and legumes, things like lentils, chickpeas, black beans, cannellini beans, etc. So we're going to go into talking about these three groups of foods, and they're all going to be mixed in there. I'd like you to get a good idea of five key strategies that you can implement very easily to incorporating these foods into your day at every single meal and still see amazing weight loss and feel really good about what you're eating. Are you ready? Let's do it. Tip number one is to prioritize high fiber carbohydrates. Do you know what's the secret weapon of women who lose weight and never feel hungry? Eating about 30 grams of fiber or more per day. So from my experience, most women do not come close to this level of fiber, especially if they're focused on cutting out carbs. Most good, healthy, um, natural fiber comes from carbohydrates. So I know, I know that fiber is not sexy and we associate it associated with um, things like prunes and chalky powders, but natural fiber is kind of magical. It does so many things in the body that help us lose weight, like keeping us full, speeding metabolism, and preventing calories from being absorbed. Did you know that? We definitely want to prioritize fiber. So how do we do that? The first thing you can do in order to do that is to plan to have about five to seven grams of fiber in each meal. You can easily figure out the content of food as the fiber content of food with packages by looking at the label. Simple swaps go a long way here. So always compare two to three foods within a certain category so you can see where you get more fiber. So for example, if you always buy the best bread and you check out the label and you see that it only has about one gram or two grams of fiber per slice, that's a perfect opportunity to swap it for a higher fiber bread. Now you want to make sure that you're still going to be getting the same amount of calories. So for example, you don't want to swap out a 40 or 60 calorie slice of bread with a slice of bread that's 120 calories just to get more fiber because you've doubled the amount of calories that you're taking. So the fiber wouldn't matter as much for weight loss. You want to make sure that the calories are are still within the right ranges. But if you find a similar bread that looks like you would like it just as much and that has about the same amount of calories per slice. And it's very important to also make sure the slice size is the same. You don't want to swap out to something that's going to give you less volume. Very important. So make sure that you 
kind of look at the label with investigator eyes, make sure that the serving size is the same, the calories are about the same, make sure that you're going to like it, that you're going to enjoy the flavor of it and the texture looks good, and then look for the higher fiber item. So if you can switch to a bread that's about three or four grams per slice, now you've doubled the amount of fiber and you're going to feel a lot differently, okay? So in today's um, show notes, I'm going to show you some examples of how to swap foods to get more fiber in. So make sure to check that out. So item number one is to plan to have about seven grams of fiber per meal. Of course, you can get fiber from great vegetables, things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, as well as things like fruit. But we're talking about main meals. So if in your morning you want to have seven grams of fiber, about a third of a cup of dry still-cut oats with a cup of berries should give you plenty of fiber. That's a one example of how you can get more than seven grams in a meal. Another way to add more fiber is if you're having a carbohydrate that a carbohydrate that's more refined, like rice, make sure you're cutting your normal amount in half and you're adding a fiber source like black beans or lentils or a cup of cooked vegetables that are super high in fiber, like artichokes or Brussels sprouts. That way you're still getting the rice, you're still having the rice, but you're stretching it out with filling fiber. This is a great strategy. So things like rice and beans, that's a perfect example here, okay? You're having the same amount of rice, maybe you're cutting it back just a little bit, but you're adding the beans, now you get bigger volume, you're adding more fiber, and you want to make sure that you're eating it slowly so that you can get the satiety benefit, the fullness benefit. Fiber only works when you're eating slowly, that you're eat, that when you're eating mindfully so that your s- stomach and your digestive tract can send that satiety, that fullness sensation and communication to your brain. The hormone that signals to the brain that we're getting full sits way down low in the gut. So you want to make sure that you're eating slowly so that food can reach that area and that you will get the benefit of portion control naturally. Because if you're getting full, maybe you won't eat those extra two bites. If you're eating too quickly, it's very easy to overeat. One of the num- one of the main reason, probably the number one reason why women overeat is that we eat too quickly. Okay? So prioritizing high fiber fiber carbs, that's number one. We want to get to about 30 grams total for the day. A good place to start is five to seven grams per meal. And then number two is to make sure that you're stretching your lower fiber carbs, things like rice and pasta, with higher fiber superstars, okay? Tip number two is to section off your plate. This is a quick and dirty way to make sure that you're staying carb controlled even when you eat out and you just need to look at your plate and make sure that it's half filled with vegetables a quarter is your carbohydrates and a quarter is your protein. If you're doing this this at every meal, if you're doing this when you're eating out, you're golden. That's the one perfect ratio that you can have between carbs to protein and veggies. And that's especially easy to do when you're in a restaurant. So you can use this strategy really anywhere. And it's a foolproof way to stay in carb control without having to weigh and measure anything. If you want to start practicing this and you're not good at visualizing, 
I'd recommend you buy one of those divided plates and use it for a few weeks at home to train your eyes and your brain to visualize what a quarter of your plate looks like. So you can have a quarter of your plate be pasta, then a quarter of your plate is maybe chicken or fish, and then the other half is vegetables. If you wanted to take this a step further and make sure that you're less likely to overeat, I often recommend that once your plate is set up with the right ratios, you start by eating the vegetables first, followed by the protein, then you eat the starch at the end since chances are you're already somewhat full by that time. So you won't have to be tempted to overeat or go for seconds of your rice or pasta or mashed potatoes. If you do need seconds, again, I would go with the protein and vegetables. Try to stick with just the one portion of the carbohydrates. And that way you have them, you get a taste for them, and but you're not eating them for hunger. If you're eating them last, last it's kind of like we always remember those last few bites. It leaves a, a nice, good finish to the meal. So tip number two was to section off your plate. Tip number three is having your carbs at meals, not at snacks. This is such an important one. Making your snacks mostly protein-based is a game-changer for so many women. I had a client a few months ago who ate fairly well, but she wanted to lose those last 10 pounds, and it just wasn't working. When we looked at her food for the day, she told me that she only eats about a handful of pretzels as a snack between meals. She said it to me very proudly, I only eat pretzels as a snack since they're fat-free. Well, the era of everything fat-free that was all the rage back in the 80s is definitely over, ladies. Pretzels are an okay snack here and there, but let me tell you that switching her high-carb snack, the pretzels, to a protein-based one like Greek yogurt or a hard-boiled egg made a world of difference here. And Lisa was able to start losing about two pounds per week with this small shift. The reason for this is that she... The snack that she was having was putting her over the amount of carbs that her body needed for the day, and so those extra calories were being stored as fat as opposed to being burnt off. So I always recommend to make sure that you have your carbs at meals and make your snacks protein-based. That's also going to help you feel fuller and have less cravings during the day, and especially in the afternoon. The only exception to this is if you do a rigorous cardio exercise, you're going to want a carb-based snack after that workout if you're not having a meal within 90 90 minutes or so. So 60 to 90 minutes after a workout, I usually recommend that you have a meal that contains some carbohydrates, assuming that workout was a cardio workout. But if you're not doing that, I would stick with mostly protein-based snacks and keep the carbs at meals. Tip number four is having a starchy veggie or a bean-based side as your dinner carbohydrate. This is a great strategy that helps cut out things like rice or gluten-based starches like pasta at night. If you want to have them, that's totally fine, but I prefer something that's portion-controlled, that's naturally portion-controlled. So for example, I love when my clients eat a sweet potato for dinner since it's high in fiber, it's delicious, and naturally pre-portioned, right? It comes already, one is a serving. You pick the medium ones and you're good to go. Unlike a pot of rice that you keep going back to and you eat a spoonful here and another one when you clean up, it can be a little bit of a slippery slope there. 
The last and final strategy that I'd like to share with you today regarding how to eat carbs at every meal and lose weight is to say goodnight to carbs by 6 p.m. We used to think that it didn't matter when we ate as far as the time of day. It was all about calories in versus calories out. Well, we now know that that's not exactly true. More and more studies now show that the body doesn't do a great job of processing carbohydrates later at night. So I often recommend to my clients to have a defined eating window specifically for carbohydrates. The main suggestion I often give is to have a feeding window of about 10 to 12 hours total. And ideally, you'd be done with dinner around 6 p.m. So if you need a bedtime snack, I usually recommend sticking with a high-fiber fruit like berries or a 100-calorie pack of nuts or a string cheese or something like that. But having a cutoff time for carbohydrates will ensure that Your body will be doing the important work of burning calories off at night as opposed to being busy digesting the crackers and cheese you ate right before bed. So more on nighttime eating in upcoming videos and episodes. So make sure that your eating window is a total of about 10 to 12 hours from the first thing you eat to the last thing and that you're done with carbs by 6 p.m. Of course, if you have blood sugar issues or insulin resistance or you're using any medications to lower blood sugar or you work out later in the evening, that will require a different plan. But for the general weight loss purpose, for our purposes here, this suggestion works very, very well. So there you have it. Five tips for eating carbs and losing weight. Let's recap. Number one, prioritizing high fiber carbs. Number two, making them one quarter of your plate. Number three, having them at meals, not snacks. Number four is having a starchy vegetable as your dinner carb. And number five, saying goodnight to carbs by 6 p.m. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about losing weight by eating real food and see some more high fiber options, Go to www.daphnachazen.com forward slash free where you're going to find my real food, real weight loss starter kit that's been transforming my clients' eating habits and finally allowing them to lose weight without feeling deprived. That's www.daphnachazen.com forward slash free. It's my five-step weight loss starter kit. And don't forget that I'll be going live every Thursday at noon on my Facebook page and a new episode will be out every Monday so you can step up your weight loss game and see some amazing results. Make it a great week, everyone, and I will talk to you soon.